Welcome to another edition of Return to the Word Radio with Bible teacher Mark Fontecchio. Advancing the message of God's amazing grace through the teaching of God's Word. And now with today's message, here is our teacher. It's good to be back in the Word of God with you once again. In our last study, you remember that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that he wanted interpreted. He had called together the wise men. He didn't want them to just look in their books and give him some fake interpretation. He wanted them to actually tell him what the dream was and then interpret it. That way, he could know that they were not just telling him what he wanted to hear. And of course, the wise men could not do it, so he ordered all the wise men of the kingdom to be killed. This included Daniel and the men of Judah that had been taken captive. Daniel 2, and we start again with verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you. O God of my fathers, you have given me wisdom and might. You have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare it to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the vision of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Back in the days when the telegraph was the fastest way of communicating over long distance, there was a young man who applied for a job as a telegraph worker. 
In order to get this job, you had to be an expert at Morse code. Now, this young man answered an ad in the newspaper. He went to the address that was listed in the ad. And when he got there, he walked into a large and noisy office. In the background, a telegraph machine was busy clicking away. And a sign on the receptionist's desk instructed all the job applicants to fill out a form and wait until they were called in to another office for an interview. Well, a young man filled out his form. He sat down with all the others who were there to apply for the job. But after just a few minutes, this young man stood up, crossed the room, opened a door where the interviews would be, and walked right on in. When they saw this, the other applicants for the job perked up and wondered what was going on. Why had this man been so bold? Seemed kind of rude. They muttered to themselves, complaining that they had not been called in yet. They even took some satisfaction, assuming to themselves that this young man who had just walked right on through the office door would have been rebuked for his arrogance, which meant to them it would have been one less man competing for the job. But within a few minutes, the young man came out of the office, escorted by the man in charge of hiring, who announced to all the other applicants, gentlemen, Thank you very much for coming, but the job has been filled by this young man. The other men had been there longer, and they began grumbling. Then one of them spoke up, saying, Wait just a minute, I don't understand something. He was the last one to come in, and we never even got a chance to be interviewed, yet he got the job. That's not fair. The man in charge of hiring responded, I'm sorry, but all the time you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been repeating the same message over and over again in Morse code. And the message was, if you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. None of you heard it. None of you understood it. This young man did. So the job is his. Well, just as the men applying for the job were not tuned in to the sound of the telegraph machine, so it is that the wise men of Babylon were not tuned in to the living God of heaven. God had a message that he had repeated to Nebuchadnezzar over and over again in his dreams. But not a single advisor to the king had the ability to give Nebuchadnezzar the meaning of his dream. Daniel was living in fellowship with God. Daniel was tuned into God. And because Daniel was able to give the meaning of the dream, Daniel would be promoted to a new position, just as Nebuchadnezzar had promised. Take another look at our first two verses. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. You have to keep in mind at this point that Daniel didn't even know what was going on. So when they came looking for him, Daniel absolutely had no idea why they wanted to kill him. And this is why we see Daniel asking Arioch what this was all about. Why was it so urgent? But notice how verse 14 starts out. With counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered, Arioch. The word for counsel means that Daniel's speech was with prudence. Well, prudence emphasizes that his speech was with wisdom that was applied. It means he was cautious, choosing his words carefully. Word for wisdom means taste, suitable, appropriate. He used judgment. Daniel responded with discretion and discernment. At this point, the wrong response would get you killed. The idea here is that Daniel was not running off with his mouth. Daniel didn't say the first thing that came to his mind. Daniel kept his emotions in check. We do not read that Daniel started begging Arioch for his life or that Daniel was angry about this. Daniel came up with a solution to the problem. 
Daniel would turn to the highest authority in his life, the God of Israel. The text is teaching us that Daniel was a man of character. They were all facing imminent death, and yet Daniel had the composure to react slowly and to use wisdom as he spoke. You know, they always say that you can measure a man by what it takes to make him upset. If someone is upset easy, if someone blows up over every little thing in life, well, then it's pretty clear that they are not living by faith, not living with constant trust in the Lord. But we get just the opposite picture with Daniel, calm under pressure, confident not in himself but in his God. Arioch was the man appointed by the king to kill the wise men, and Daniel said to him, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Daniel asked a question. Daniel was still gathering more information, trying to get to the facts, trying to figure out what was going on. Daniel must have known that most of these wise men were nothing but con men. But why was the king suddenly putting everyone to death? Verse 16 tells us, So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. It's pretty amazing how much is packed into this short verse. Think about this with me. Before Daniel could go see the king, he must have persuaded Arioch and his men to allow him to go before the king. Arioch was risking his own life at this point. The king had said, kill all of the wise men. Arioch not only spared Daniel for a short time, but Arioch was going along with the idea of Daniel going before the king. Now remind yourself that King Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man on the earth at that time, and yet Daniel had access to the king. But think of what Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel asked for time, time for Daniel to be able to tell the king the interpretation. Now there is no other record in the word of God of God himself giving someone knowledge of a dream that someone else had without the person who had the dream telling the interpreter the dream. Joseph interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh and his servants when the actual dreams were told to him. But this was completely different from what Daniel was facing. Listen, the lesson of this text is not to go home and expect God to start revealing the dreams of other people in our lives or that we're going to somehow interpret them. This is the only record we have in the Word of God of God himself giving someone the dream of another person. And the purpose was revelatory, meaning that God was revealing this to Daniel for the purpose of the edification of the saints all throughout the ages who will grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord by reading of what God did through Daniel. The lesson here is faith. The lesson is confidence in God. Daniel believed that God could do absolutely anything, even reveal the dream itself to him, along with the interpretation. And the stage was now set to show the reality, the wisdom, the power of the one true God. The gods of Babylon were powerless, but the God of Israel was about to reveal himself. Make sure you recognize this. Make sure you understand that this is a very important part of the book that we tend to forget. The original intent, the purpose of the book of Daniel was to remind the Hebrew people that even despite their failure, their collapse as a nation, and their banishment into exile, the God of Israel was just as powerful as he ever was in the days of Moses. And his covenantal love remains as steadfast toward the seed of Abraham as it has ever been. God is not done with the nation of Israel. Verses 17 and 18. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, 
so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. The king went along with the plan, and it's probably also safe to assume that the killing of the wise men was put on hold. Verse 17 tells us that Daniel went back to his house. Daniel told Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the plan. Now the wording of verse 18 is powerful. Daniel enlisted the other three men to join him in continual prayer, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. I think this is a great example for us from the word of God of living out the truth that Paul recorded in Philippians 4, of being anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. This is the first record we have in Scripture of individuals, not an assembly, but of individuals coming together, united in prayer. And the fact that these men living in captivity turn to the Lord in prayer, well, it reveals a lot about their faith. If they were going to live, God was not only going to have to reveal the interpretation of the dream to Daniel, but the actual dream itself. Put yourself in Daniel's shoes for a moment. The most powerful king on the earth had just told Daniel that if he couldn't come up with the dream, he would die. Not just him, but his friends and all the wise men who served the king. The pressure was incredible. Now, before we move forward, note with me that verse 18 uses this phrase, God of heaven. This is significant. The phrase is literally God of heavens. This title for God appears five times in this chapter. Understand that the people of Babylon worship the heavens, but Yahweh is the God over all the heavens, not just the God of heaven, meaning that he is sovereign over all. We understand that this phrase, God of heavens, is used in the books of the Bible, which were written in the Old Testament when the Jews were living in exile. The people in these other nations worship the sun, the moon, the stars. So in books like Daniel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, which were written when the Jews were in exile, this phrase is used, God of heavens, which indicated to the reader that the God being talked about was not just another one of the pagan gods of their day. This is the one true God, the sovereign God of Israel, who created the stars, the moon, and the sun. Think about what they were praying for. Daniel records they sought mercy from God. They sought compassion from God, asking God to reveal this mystery to them. Verse 19, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel makes it clear to us that God revealed this mystery, this secret, in direct response to their prayer. The answer came at night. It was not in a dream, but it came in a vision. Keep in mind the difference in the word of God. In a dream, the revelation of God came while the person was sleeping. But in a vision, the revelation of God came while the person was awake. In Numbers 12, 6, which is a great little passage, the Lord testified, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. This is precisely what Daniel was, a prophet, and God had revealed the mystery to him in a vision. The end of verse 19 says that Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Take a look at this great expression of worship, starting with verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those 
who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. Now these verses make an outstanding summary of the entire theme of the book of Daniel. Daniel is telling us, and the entire world, who God truly is. And first he says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. God's name stands for God himself. It stands for who he is. It stands for his nature, his character. So Daniel is saying, Blessed be God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Wisdom refers to knowledge and the ability to make decisions based on that knowledge. Might refers to the power to be able to carry out any decision, the ability to control events. He changes the times and seasons. Remind yourself once again that the false gods of Babylon were thought to be the ones that set the times and the seasons by the movements of the sun, moon, and stars. Daniel is emphasizing the fact that the God of the Jews is the only sovereign God. Another way of saying that God changes the times and the seasons is to say that God determines when in history events will happen and how long each period of history will last. So Daniel tells us next, he removes kings and raises up kings. Daniel was testifying to the fact that God is the one who is in control of history. And one way that God controls history is by controlling who is in control of the nations. God sets up kings and God removes kings. Now, this had a couple of different applications. First of all, it reminds us that even though Nebuchadnezzar was threatening their lives, Daniel knew that Nebuchadnezzar was in control of Babylon only, only because God allowed him to be. Daniel was persuaded. Daniel was convinced that ultimately God is much more powerful than any human king. Remember, it was thought in that day that the gods of a nation put the king into office. Nebuchadnezzar would have thought the same thing about his position being secured for him by the gods of Babylon. But Daniel was testifying, there is only one God who has the ability to raise up kings and to remove them. And secondly, this also hints at Nebuchadnezzar's actual dream itself, because the dream represented different kingdoms being replaced by consecutive empires. So Daniel teaches next, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. The last part of verse 21 simply means to those who possess understanding. So the idea here is that God gives wisdom and knowledge to those who possess understanding. All that the wise men had was the wisdom of the world, but Daniel had access to the very wisdom of God. God is the true source of all wisdom, and he alone is able to reveal the mysteries that are only known to him. In verse 22, Daniel writes, He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. The word for deep means unsearchable, the things that man could never know. Secret things could also be stated as concealed things. So the idea here is God's ability to reveal the things that we could never know on our own. With the light and darkness, light symbolizes knowledge. True knowledge comes from God. So God is able to shed light on the hidden secrets of this world, the things that seem dark, that we cannot know or understand without God revealing them to us. With verse 23, Daniel expresses his gratitude towards God for what God had done for him. And notice that God gets all the glory. 
I thank you and I praise you. Again, what a testimony this had to be to the people of his day. The God of my fathers, Daniel was connecting himself to the faith that his spiritual forefathers had. It was like Daniel was saying, this is the type of thing, God, that you did for David, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What you did, God, for me is what I had grown up hearing about in the temple, that you did this type of thing amongst my ancestors. In other words, it's the same sovereign God on the throne. Take comfort from this. When we turn to God in prayer, we serve the same powerful God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Daniel thanks God for what he had done. God had given him wisdom and might and made known to him the dream and its interpretation. There's an important lesson here. Daniel is very much aware of where this revelation had come from. It was not something that Daniel tried to conjure up. It was God who revealed it to him. As Peter would later testify in 2 Peter 1.21, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Daniel was confident that this was an answer to his prayers from God. Daniel was confident that the information that God had revealed to them, it would save their lives. So think of the context. The Babylonian wise men, under their own power, wanted to come up with an answer that would satisfy the king. Daniel was confident that the God of heaven had sovereignly given him the answer. Daniel worshipped God first in prayer, and now he takes action in verse 24. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Do not forget that Daniel just had something pretty remarkable take place. The one true God had just supernaturally revealed Nebuchadnezzar's dream to him. And yet Daniel's first concern after he worshipped the Lord was the lives of others. Now looking at verse 24, it says that Daniel went to Arioch. This seems to indicate that Daniel couldn't speak to the king by himself. Then he needed someone like Arioch to help him get in to see the king. Which is why he told Arioch at the end of the verse, take me before the king. But I also think that Daniel was concerned that no one else would be killed. Which is why we see in the middle of verse 24 where Daniel says to Arioch, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Arioch must have trusted Daniel because he listened to Daniel twice, each time letting him go before they came. And Daniel must have trusted Arioch because he went to him again in verse 24. Verse 25 shows us how urgent the situation was. Take a look. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. Now, whatever amount of time Nebuchadnezzar had given Daniel before, it couldn't have been much. And the word for quickly here could also mean in haste. It conveys the idea of an emotional situation that Arioch was passionate to get Daniel to the king. Keep in mind that the more time that passed, the more likely it was that people would die. And notice those words, I have found. I have found a man of the captives of Judah. It's amazing how quickly pride can make its way in. We do have to give Arioch a little bit of credit because he did listen to Daniel on two different occasions, and he did find Daniel. But when he found Daniel back in verses 14 and 15, it was to kill him. It was not because Arioch was so concerned about the wise men that he went out looking for someone to interpret the king's dream. Arioch was stretching the truth, of course. Arioch was lying to the king. He had no problem with taking credit for finding someone to interpret the dream. 
And whenever someone lies, the motivation is usually pride. Men and women who lie all the time are typically some of the most prideful people that you will ever meet. In this case, I think the motivation was greed. Ariok may have been aware of what the king had promised to the wise men back in verse 6, that whoever could make known the dream to the king along with its interpretation would receive gifts, honor, and rewards. Ariok had thought that he hit the jackpot, so he lied. Little did Ariok know that God's word would record his sin for all humanity to see. Sin never pays. In verse 25, Ariok describes Daniel as a man of the captives of Judah. Literally, it should read as, of the sons of captivity. It's interesting that Ariok introduced Daniel this way. Either Daniel didn't know the king that well, or in the royal court before the king, formal introductions were done, telling the king who was coming before him. Either way, in verse 26, the king answers Daniel, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Now, Daniel recorded this text many years later, including his Hebrew name here, suggesting to the reader that Daniel never inwardly identified himself as a person from Babylon, as a person that worshipped the false gods of Babylon. Back in verse 25, Arioch had told the king that Daniel could interpret the dream. Arioch was putting his own confidence in Daniel, because if Daniel could not interpret the dream, well, they were both dead. But look at where Nebuchadnezzar's focus was at the end of verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar, he still wanted both the dream and the interpretation told to him. The spotlight turns to Daniel. Lives are on the line. And look at what Daniel says in verse 27. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and soothsayers cannot declare to the king. If you remember back to verses 10 and 11 from our last study in Daniel, The wise men themselves admitted to the king that they could not tell him the dream. They were powerless to accomplish such a task. Daniel right away reminds the king that none of these men could tell the king his dream to him. So right away, Daniel was bringing it all back to God, making sure that God alone got the glory. Take a look at verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and visions of your head upon your bed were these. This is a pretty amazing verse. First notice that Daniel uses the phrase, God in heaven. He's distinguishing the one true God from the false gods of Babylon. He's the one that reveals secrets because he is the only true God. He's the source of the dream and its interpretation. This took some serious guts. You want to talk about a tough witnessing situation. Daniel told the most powerful man on earth that the false gods of his empire were fake. They were cheap counterfeits, but the God that Daniel worshipped was the true God. Today, this type of witnessing would be considered politically incorrect and unloving. But Daniel, he didn't back down. He witnessed to the king. Notice he refers to him as King Nebuchadnezzar. Even though he was bold, Daniel was still respectful of the king's position. And he tells him that God has chosen to make known to him what would take place in the latter days. This phrase, latter days, it always refers to the future. It usually focuses on the coming of the Messiah. It refers to the future of God's dealings with mankind in the times of the Messiah. But the context of a given passage determines how much of a future is in view. In this case, it's a reference that includes their time period 2,600 years ago through the first coming of Christ. It includes the church age, which we live in right now, 
all the way up until Christ comes again. In other words, it includes the dreams and visions recorded in Daniel and stretches forward to the second coming of Christ, when God will intervene in human history to establish his eternal kingdom. Take a look at our last two verses. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation of the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. In our next study, we're going to get to the dream. But here in these two verses, Daniel tells the king that before he had the dream, the king was lying on his bed and he was thinking about what would take place in the future. It's interesting wording in the text because Daniel writes that the king really wasn't dreaming at this point, but just sort of sitting back, wondering about the future. And the phrase here, what would come to pass after this, does not mean that Nebuchadnezzar was thinking about what would happen over the next couple of thousand years. Instead, it conveys the idea that he was thinking about during his lifetime and what would come to pass. He was wondering what would happen with his empire. Then Daniel writes, And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. Nebuchadnezzar was wondering about the future over his lifetime, and God answered in a dream. God answered in a way Nebuchadnezzar could have never imagined. And with verse 30, notice once again the testimony that Daniel leaves, making sure that Nebuchadnezzar realized it wasn't Daniel, it was all God. And he tells Nebuchadnezzar that God revealed it to him for two reasons. One, but for our sakes who make known the interpretation to the king. In other words, so that he could tell the king what the dream meant, which would save a lot of lives. And secondly, Daniel writes, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Basically, he was telling the king that the dream was revealed to Daniel so that he could answer the questions that the king had been having about the future. No dream before this or since has ever revealed so much of what would come in the future for mankind. And it was important for Nebuchadnezzar to receive this revelation from God because he was to be the first Gentile king during the times of the Gentiles. This is what the Apostle Paul referred to in Romans 11.25 when he referred to the fullness of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles is simply the period of human history when Gentile nations would dominate Israel until the Messiah comes and puts all the Gentile nations under his reign. A man was writing about his brother Kevin, who is mentally disabled. Listen to his words. I realized for the first time the very different world in which Kevin lives. He was born 30 years ago, mentally disabled due to a complication in labor. Apart from his size, he's six foot, two inches. There are few ways in which he is an adult. He reasons and communicates with the capabilities of a seven-year-old and always will. I remember wondering if Kevin realizes he is different. Is he ever dissatisfied with his monotonous life? Up before dawn each day. Off to the workshop for the disabled. Home to walk the dog and eat his favorite macaroni and cheese dinner. And later on he goes to bed. The only variation in the routine is laundry. When he hovers excitedly over the washer like a mother with her newborn child. He does not seem dissatisfied. He goes out to the bus every morning at 7.05, eager for a day of simple work. He wrings his hands excitingly while the water boils on the stove before dinner. He stays up late twice a week to gather our dirty laundry for his next day's laundry chores. Saturdays are special. That is the day that my dad takes Kevin to the airport to have a soft drink, watch the planes land, 
and guess where each plane that takes off is heading to. That one is going to Chicago, Kevin shouts as he claps his hands. His anticipation is so great he can hardly sleep on Friday nights. And so goes his world of daily rituals and weekend field trips. He doesn't know what it means to be discontent. His life is simple. He will never know the entanglements of wealth or power. He doesn't care what brand of clothing he wears or what kind of food he eats. His needs have always been met, and he never worries that one day they may not be. His hands are diligent. Kevin is never so happy as when he is working. When he unloads the dishwasher or vacuums the carpet, his heart is completely in it. But when his tasks are done, Kevin knows how to relax. He's not obsessed with his work or with the work of others. His heart seems pure. He still believes everyone tells the truth. Promises must be kept. And when you're wrong, you apologize instead of argue. Free from pride, unconcerned with appearances, Kevin is not afraid to cry when he is hurt, angry, or sorry. He's always transparent. He's always sincere. He trusts God. Not confined by intellectual reasoning, when he comes to Christ, he comes as a child. Kevin seems to know God, to really be friends with him in a way that is difficult for an educated person to grasp. God seems to be his closest companion. And in my moments of doubt and frustrations with my Christian faith, I envy the security that Kevin has in his simple faith. It is then that I am most willing to admit that he has some divine knowledge that rises above my mortal questions. It is then I realize that perhaps he is not the one with the handicap. I am. My obligations, my fear, my pride, my circumstances, they all become disabilities when I do not trust them to God's care. What we see in Daniel is that our prayer is an expression of our faith. Do we have childlike faith or do we let the world override our confidence in God? Prayer is surrendering ourselves to the will of God in our life. Prayer is worship. Look at it this way. If I throw out a rope from my boat to shore and it catches hold of a mighty oak tree, if I pull on the rope, am I pulling the shore to me or am I pulling myself to shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to the will of God. An unknown Confederate soldier wrote about this so long ago. Most of you know these words, but allow me to read them again as we close. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men, most richly blessed. Return to the Word Ministries is committed to teaching the full counsel of God's Word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more about our ministry, please visit returntotheword.com. 
Return to the Word is a faith ministry. This means we freely distribute the teaching of the Word of God over the air and online. We do this without charge. If you feel led to support the ministry with a donation to help cover these costs, you may do so on our website, returntotheword.com, or by mailing a donation to Return to the Word, P.O. Box 879-259, Wasilla, Alaska, 99687. Thanks for listening, and we pray that the Word of God will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Join us next time for another edition of Return to the Word 